Get ready for high adventure with the new children's adventure series, The Only Living Boy. Harvey Award winners David Gallagher and Steve Ellis' critically acclaimed web series to print is now a riveting graphic novel exclusively from paper cuts. When Eric runs away from home, he finds himself lost without his memory on a patchwork planet under a broken moon. He may be the only living boy, but he's not alone. The world is filled with dangerous creatures fighting to decide who is the hunter and who is the hunted. He'll need help from mermaid warrior Morgan and Thea, an insect princess, to escape the foes pitted against them by the dreaded Lord Balakar and fiendish Dr. Once. Can Eric defeat their evil plans and find his way home? Mental Floss calls the only living boy an all-ages adventure book inspired by pulp serials, Saturday morning cartoons, Jack Kirby, and even the music of Paul Simon. The Only Living Boy, Volume 1, Prisoner of the Patrick Planet, is on sale in bookstores everywhere on March 8th. Learn more at olbcomic.com. This year, those nominated for Best Performance by an Actor are Walla Matthau in The Sunshine Boys. Jack Nicholson in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Al Pacino on Dog Day Afternoon. Maximilian Schell and the Man of the Glass Booth. James Whitmore and Gibbon Hell Harry. And the winner is Jack Nicholson and one floor over the Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Film and Water Podcast, part of the Fire and Water Network of Podcasts. I'm your host, Rob Kelly, and this week we are going to be doing a very special Oscars episode where we talk about the upcoming Oscars, what it means, the history of the Oscars, and other fun things. Joining me is returning champ, uh, film critic for Huffington Post, and host of the uh, movie film podcast, Zaki Hassan. Zaki, thanks for coming back to the show. You bet. Thanks for having me again, Rob. Excellent. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, I am a big fan of the Oscars for some reason, <laughs> even though it's an award show. It's a bunch of millionaires giving each other awards. But I've, I, of all the award shows, it's the only one that I've ever watched. I've watched them since I was a kid. And uh, even when the movies are kind of so-so, some years I've always been excited about it. And I really wanted to do an episode of the podcast about it. So Zachy was kind enough to join me. So Zachy, what like is your history with the Oscars? Did you watch it as a kid? Is it was it a big thing for you growing up? It was. I, I would say from from about ninety two to twenty twelve, I had probably a twenty year streak where I I never missed the Oscars. Um, and and it was just one of those things that I I watched it out of a uh, sense of tradition. I guess, and uh, and then in 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 2013 uh, we we decided to cut cable. So at that point, the Oscars went right along with it. So <laughs> I, I was I was forced to break tradition at that moment. Wow, that's interesting. Now, have you so you've have you still not have cable? Do you not have not gone back? I have not gone back to cable. I only have streaming. So I have Hulu, Amazon, and Netflix, which uh, basically covers all my TV watching needs. And uh, what I've found is that thanks to you know, the live blogging and the immediate upload of clips on the internet and whatnot. I, I feel like I'm not missing anything right, right. as far as the Oscars. Are. And it's, and it's much more efficient now. So that's kind of nice. Right. You don't have to sit all the musical numbers, everybody walking to the stage, all that stuff. You just get all the meat of it. Oh, who won? Who won? Who won? Who won? Exactly. Right. <laughs> 
it's a very efficient way of doing it. Yeah, I I don't know. I said I've never I was never a fan of the Emmys or the Golden Globes or all this stuff, but the Oscars. I don't know. I think there's something about that. It is historic. I mean, it, you know, anytime any actor, anytime they pass away, their their first line of their obituary is Oscar winner for Blubbity Blue. You know, it's always in there. Uh, if if someone has even been nominated, they mention it in trailers. It's the yeah. only award I can think of that that happens. Uh, I always feel bad for like you know when you see there's like one of those films that has an ensemble cast and like five of six cast members have got Oscars and it mentions nominees or winners and then there's the one who hasn't ever been nominated <laughs> Oscar watcher <laughs> yeah, exactly you're like oh that's so sad you, you you'll get it someday um, yeah I don't know it is it's just I, I've always been interested in it even though like I said it really there really is no justifiable reason why I'm so involved because it is so arbitrary and and we'll get to that in a little bit in terms of there really is no point in comparing these things because they're all different, very, very different pieces of art, but that's the way it is. You know, it's just the way it works out. So some people that are completely deserving go home empty and other people not so much. So, uh, you know, the Oscars have a history of you know never giving an Academy Award to certain people like Alfred Hitchcock never got one. Cary Grant never got one. You know, it's one of those things where you're like, God, those guys never got Oscar. Stanley Kubrick never got an Oscar. I mean, so clearly they have gaps at times. But uh, again, that's just sort of the way it works out. So um, what Zach and I are going to do, we're going to cover the six big categories, the the four acting categories, and then director and picture. And we're just going to go over what we, I think, we want to see win. Uh, I haven't seen all these movies, so there's some I'm flying blind on. I'm not going to try and guess who's going to win because I'm always terrible at that. But I'm just gonna. We're just kind of go over, you know, the nominees, what we thought of them, and who we would like to see take home the Oscar. So, uh, we are going to start off with uh, actress in a supporting role, and for this year, the nomination the nominations are Jennifer Jason Leigh for The Hateful Eight, Rooney Mara for Carol, Rachel McAdams for Spotlight, Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl, and Kate Winslet for Steve Jobs. Now, Zaki, I'm going to assume you've seen all five of these movies. Um, so the the only big nominees I haven't seen are the Hateful Eight and uh, the Revenant, actually. Wow. Okay. Okay. So so those are the only ones. The, the the Hateful Eight. I've made a good faith effort, but the movie is like three plus hours long. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to see the roadshow version, there's like the half hour intermission. Right. Right. And it's this whole production. And and you know I with with my family life the way it is, I can't really tell my wife, hey, I'm going to be off the grid for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> So, so hateful eight. I I made a try. I tried to catch like three press screenings, and I was like, "All right, well, Quentin, you beat me on this one." You know. <laughs> so, who out of these uh, all deserving actresses? Who do you would you sort of like? Again, now you said you've only you haven't seen hateful eight, but of the other ones, who would you like to see win? You know, I I would I I I like Rachel McAdams a lot. Uh, in spotlight, but I don't feel it was a particularly, uh, it, it wasn't a central role. I think that film is very much driven by the totality of the ensemble. So I think Rachel McAdams nomination speaks less to her specific contribution to the film than just the overall strength of spotlight in terms of the nominations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so even though I really liked Spotlight, uh, I think for this particular category, I would give it to Kate Winslet for Steve Jobs. I thought she was fantastic in it. 
she's always kind of a safe bet to give an Oscar to. I, mean, I think she's been nominated every year or something for for it feels like it. You she's know, in. she's sort of the new Meryl Streep. Uh, although I think Alicia Vikander is going to be headed in that direction. And and she was great in the Danish Girl. She I Danish Girl is a movie I was not crazy about, but I thought she was absolutely uh, the best thing about it. That's it. I've heard that a lot. That seems to be the consensus is that she's the real tremendous thing. And I thought she was great in Ex Machina. I mean, I thought she could have been nominated for that too. This was a hell of a year for for Alicia Vikander because uh, she was also in uh, The Man from Uncle, and she was really fun in that too. Yeah, yeah. I think she was in another movie too, uh, uh, like a smaller film that played in art houses. I'm forgetting the name of it, but it was like a World War One drama. So she just exploded. It's amazing yeah, just how that works. Sudden. Yeah. Uh, for my money, yeah, I agree with you about Rachel McAdams. I thought she was great in it but because the oscars don't do a best ensemble uh, award i think they kind of get, just sort of spread it out a little like well let's give one to one the guy and one to the woman and she's the only woman in the movie yeah. basically not that she did not that she wasn't terrific in it but yeah I, I agree with you um i don't really get the love that everybody's showing jennifer jason lee for the hateful eight uh i mean i thought she was fine in it and i think she's a great actress she's been giving great performances all the way back to fast times at ridgemont high but that i i don't know i didn't think that was that transformative a role i don't i mean she gets kicked in blood a lot i guess that's the thing i i don't know i i just didn't feel that that performance was so outstanding that it really deserves to be heard of for her to win necessarily so uh, like I said, the only film of these two are, were Hateful Eight and Spotlight that I've seen. I, I know I'm going to go back on the very thing I said I wasn't going to do, which was predicting. But I, <laughs> I feel like they're going to give it to Alicia Vikander, too. I just feel like that's the coronation of a rising star. Mm. And she gave two to three solid performances in one year. And I think that's going to be the kind of like, let's just, you know, wow. We, we, we found a major new actress here. So let's give it to her. That's kind of where I feel like that's going. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. Yeah. What did I talk about? Capping off a year for her. Holy jeez. Oh. So. Yeah, God. just coming out of nowhere, and then yeah. Yeah, and you go to her IMDb page, and there's like six films in production. <laughs> She's a busy, busy girl. Her <laughs> agent must be thrilled. Um, so the next category is actor in a supporting role, and for that we've got Christian Bale in The Big Short. Tom Hardy in The Revenant, Mark Ruffalo, Spotlight, Mark Rylance, Bridge of Spies, and Sylvester Stallone in Creed. Zachy, I think I'm going to guess which one you would like to see win in this category. <laughs> well, I, I think this one is really a two-man race between Mark Rylance and Sylvester Stallone. And uh, I think I think the odds-on favorite is Sylvester Stallone, uh, who I want to win who, and who, as of now, I'm fairly certain will win. Yeah, for anyone who hasn't listened to Zachy's podcast, movie film podcast, and you should, he is a mega fan of the Rocky films. I am very much yeah, so. Yeah, uh, I was. I mean, I was. I had tears uh, streaming down my face watching uh, Creed and his performance in Creed, and I, I'm willing to wager that I'm not the only one who had a very similar reaction. And uh, but partly, it, it this is his performance reminds us of what a great actor Stallone can be. Uh, but beyond even that, what his performance does is it reminds us of how much time we have spent with our friend Rocky Balboa. And uh, it, it is a very touching, it is a very touching performance. It really is. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I think that's why most likely he's, he's the guy to beat for this year's. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. I think, um, I 
Mark Rylance was terrific in Bitter Spies, but he's not in it all that much. Uh, I would like to see him give one of his speeches because whenever he wins a Tony, he gives some weird ass speech where he just like goes <laughs> up and he reads a quote, some long form quote. He doesn't ever thank anybody. I think I'd like to see that at the Oscars. But yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I think I'd probably uh, of the Ruffalo was great in Spotlight, absolutely great. Um, the, although the one I would give it to the most was Keaton, Michael Keaton. He's not even nominated this year. Yeah, which is very I strange. mean, well, it, well, Keaton had arguably the leading role in that film. And if I were to guess, I would say that the 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 other actors that are up for leading roles just kind of overpowered uh, his performance. But I think of all of the the ensemble players, I thought he was he was the strongest in yeah, uh, yeah. in that film. Yeah, and I just want to see him get an Oscar. I, just want, I want Michael Keaton to have an Oscar. But but yeah, so I'm going to agree with you. I think they're going to go with Sylvester Stallone for Creed. I just think the fact that he kind of took a, a chance on a young director. You know, because I mean, when when uh, Ryan Coogler went to Stallone, he had not done Fruitvale Station yet, right? I yeah. think that's right. So I mean, that's right. Stallone was really taking a creative risk uh, by putting this beloved character in this beloved franchise, which everyone thought was dead. They thought the Rocky yeah. Balboa was the last one, and putting it in the hands of this untested uh, kid. You know, I mean, Ryan Coogler, I think, is in his twenties. Ryan Coogler 30s. was born after Rocky IV came out. Uh, oh Lord. Wow. Right. Okay. Well, all right. (laughs) We're going to move on from that depressing fact. Um, Regarding Christian Bale, we're going to get into that in in a minute about how the Oscars choose its nominees. I didn't – I think Christian Bale was sort of a lazy choice. I thought he was fine in the movie, but, uh, you know, I didn't really see that he was worthy of an Oscar nomination. I think it was almost like, oh, Christian Bale, he's always good. Let's give it to him, you know? Yeah, I – I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I'm I'm a big fan of The Big Short, and I think, like you, I think he's fine in the film. Uh, but I think The Big Short is another example of really there needs to be an on, best ensemble award, right? Uh, because because it's the the labors are spread out over over the entire yeah. cast. There is no one leading person or one supporting person. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next category is best actress in a leading role, and the nominees are Kate Blanchett for Carol. Brie Larson for Room, Jennifer Lawrence for Joy, Charlotte Rampling for 45 Years, and Saoirse, I hope I'm saying that right, Ronan. Saoirse. Saoirse, thank you, for Brooklyn. Um, Where are you on this one? Uh, I think that it's Brie Larson's to lose. I think, um, I don't know, have you seen Room? Yes. Uh, She was just captivating, and she's she's just fantastic. Um, I I think she's been on the rise for a while. She was in a film a couple of years ago called uh, Short Term 12. Oh, that's terrific, which is on Netflix, so anybody can go check it out. That's a great movie. Yeah, and and uh, this is actually a really strong field this year, because Saoirse Ronan was terrific in Brooklyn. Uh, 45 Years, which I just watched uh, last week, Charlotte Ramping, Rampling was tremendous. Uh, uh, she did a terrific job, and then Kate Blanchett is Kate Blanchett, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I actually, I mean, I actually think the, the the weakest performance is probably Jennifer Lawrence, and that's not necessarily a judgment on her. It is a statement of just how strong the rest of the field is. Yeah, uh, I, I think Jennifer Lawrence is the youngest person to ever get this many nominations. No one's had this many at this age, uh, which <laughs> is amazing. Yeah, I, I saw Room, and I just walked out of that saying, that's it, it's hers. I don't even need to see what other movies come out. Brie Larson deserves it, period, end of statement. I, I 
found that role was almost impossible, and she, yeah, I thought she was brilliant. Um, now that said, after I saw Room uh, a couple weeks ago, I went and saw Brooklyn, yeah. and I thought, what's her name again? Say it again. Sorsha. Sorsha. Sorsha Ronan was tremendous, yeah. and she is in every single scene in that movie except for one, except for yeah. one thirty-second sequence. She is in every frame of that movie, and that is a mentally difficult feat and physically difficult to, to shoot a whole movie where you were in every scene. You're in every day of shooting for you know however long. And yeah. uh, in any other year, I would say give it to her because it, 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 Brooklyn reminded me of the kind of the classic quote-unquote women's pictures of the 30s and 40s that Hollywood used to make that yeah. back, back when Betty Davis and Joan Crawford were bigger stars than a lot of the men were. And right. they, they made those, you know, women's movies, the kind that like, William Wyler would make, you know, that kind of thing. It, that's what book – except for the part where she has to poop in a bucket. Uh, that's, <laughs> everything else reminds me of it. She's, she's great. And um, the director a lot really rides a lot on her face, on her reactions to things. And she plays an Irish woman, which means she's very, very with, controlled. <laughs> There's not a lot of, uh, you know. And she just – does so much in that part, but uh, I hate so I hate to see her lose. But I really, I to me, it's Brie Larson. That's it. It's just got to be Brie Larson. Yeah, it's. I mean, and and like I said, I mean, she's. It's it's kind of her her time to really break through. So I'm kind of grateful that she's getting that opportunity because, uh, uh, you know, she's been on the rise for for a while. I actually, I I I got to interview her a couple of years Did ago. Did you really? She, wow. Yeah, and she's she's just so sweet. And it's actually kind of funny because um, the day that I was interviewing her, it just so happened my, my wife and I were expecting our fourth kid at the time and uh because of the timing of everything i wasn't able to go with my wife for the like she my wife was going to find out like what what we were having a boy or a girl and so i mentioned during my interview i was like i'm here doing this interview and my wife's at the place and she's like oh let's call her let's call her and find out (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but she was very sweet really nice that's wonderful what a great story that's that's really wonderful now i want her to win even more (laughs) yeah exactly and she's done a lot of diverse stuff. I mean, like the same year she was in Room, she was in Trainwreck. She's the sister in Trainwreck, and that's kind of a it's for for a funny movie. She does a lot of the dramatic heavy lifting in that, and, but she's also very funny. So she's she's just terrific. She's really yeah. terrific. I'm excited that she's in the new King Kong and Skull Island movie. I'm like, I feel like she's done all these little indie things. It's like, oh, good, get her a payday. You know, let her make that's a right. let her make a couple of million. Get her an action figure. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's Brie. I, I really do think it's Brie Larson. I don't. I just can't picture anybody else. That 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 film is so harrowing, uh, and just she just the, all the scenes of her with the and her the way she relates to her son and just everything about she was just terrific in that movie. Yeah. So. Uh, next is actor in a leading role, which is, and the nominees are Brian Cranston in Trumbo, Matt Damon in The Martian, Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant, Michael Fassbender, Steve Jobs, and Eddie Redmayne in The Danish Girl. So uh, where where are you on this one? I think this is DiCaprio's year. Uh, I haven't seen The Revenant, admittedly, but I think that the the tides of uh, the the Give Leo his Oscar movement are such that I think <laughs> we, can pretty, we can pretty safely say that this will be his year of giving. He's had his such Oscar. a life of failure to this point. You know, let's give him an award. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Poor guy. Out, out of pity, if nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I've been saying this for a while. I think we need to give Leo an Oscar because he will die. <laughs> 
trying to get one. <laughs> He'll eat raw buffalo liver. Please, just give me an Oscar for the love exactly. of Exactly. <laughs> How many Scorsese movies do I have to do before you give me an Oscar? That's exactly right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this. I haven't seen The Revenant. I, I, To be honest, I was sort of put off a little by the, the, the media stories around it, which were like, oh, it was so hard to make and – you know, we we went and lived out and froze to death to make this. I don't know. That stuff always feels like it's you're trying to get the film an award on merit. You know, it's you're like right. make the movie. If the movie's good, I don't care if you all guys stayed at a nice red roof in. And, you know, what do I care? Make the movie good. But, uh, yeah, I just think that DiCaprio's been around a long time. Uh, and it just feels like, yeah, this is just this kind of thing. Um, I'm I'm happy to see Brian Cranston. Nominated. Oh, he, he was terrific. Yeah, I thought Trump he was. Though? Yes, I did. I thought it was a terrific oh. movie. I thought it was great. Uh, I'm very. I took my nephew to it, and like a couple of days later, some he saw some article about Dalton Trumbo, the real Dalton Trumbo, and he sent me a link, and I'm like, my nephew knows who Dalton Trumbo is. I was just so proud of that. <laughs> You know, I was like, that's great. Yeah, I thought he was uh, and great. And I, I, I thought uh, Michael Fassbender was fantastic and Steve Jobs, too. So I was glad to see him get, an, get a nomination. Yeah, it's. I think that's the only one where the, the people think that, that he's the one who might take it from DiCaprio is, is for Michael Fassbender. Um, that's the one I've been hearing. I, no, I don't hear any mention of Damon or Redmayne or Cranston as any real competitive chance. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that for them the the nomination is prize enough. And it, you know, I mean, Eddie Redmayne. That was actually my problem with the Danish girl was it just it felt very blatantly Oscar baity. Mm-hmm. Like, look at me trying to get my next Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. And here you got it last year. <laughs> for God's sakes, Eddie, come on. Yeah, <laughs> give it. Give other people a chance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't feel like Tom Hooper makes those kinds of movies, which are just he does, you know, yeah. lame, lame as a Rob or the King's Speech. They all just come sort of draped with this Oscar kind of glow to them, even before the awards come out. Yeah. So Eddie Redmayne wants everybody to remember that he was also in Jupiter Ascending, which everybody made fun of. <laughs> that was a a catastrophically bad performance. <laughs> That's a, there's a, a podcast I listen to called the Collider Movie Talk, and every time they bring up Eddie Redmayne, they do his voice from okay. Jupiter Ascending, and apparently he talked like like it was this very weird, effective thing. <laughs> I say, yeah, he's desperate to just you know rack up a couple more award things to just bury that performance. Uh, the next category is best uh, directing or best director, however you want to say it, and the five uh, nominees are for the Big Short is Adam McKay for Mad Max Fury Road is George Miller. Uh, George, uh, the Revenant is uh, Inaritu. I'm not even going to try to say the rest of his name. <laughs> I can never remember <laughs> how to say it. Uh, Room is Lenny Abramson, and Spotlight is Tom McCarthy. Uh, I'm going to go and say I would give this if it was up to me. Uh, I think I'd probably give it to Tom McCarthy for Spotlight. Uh, just because I think there were so many different ways to take that appro- the approach to that film, and he took the right one. But I'd also be perfectly content, and I think it's going to go to George Miller for Mad Max. That's my prediction as well. Is is Miller? Yeah, um, I, I think this will very. This could very well be a one of the rare years where we have a split right, between right. director and and picture. Because I I think that I think that. Uh, McCarthy did a great job with the film, no doubt. But I think that in comparison with what Miller accomplished, I think that's more of a feat. And I, I think also the fact that Miller has been knocking around for so long, right, right, and and I mean the fact that he's 
I mean, gosh, he's in his 70s and he made a movie that puts, you know, people in their 20s to shame. Right. Uh, I think the, the Academy is going to respond to that. Yeah, it's 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 he has said he's been making movies for for 40 years now and a lot of different things. I mean, he made, you know, uh, Babe and he made Lorenzo's Oil in between these Road Warrior movies. I mean, it's and he's produced a lot of interesting things. And yeah, it, 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 say what you want about BMX Free Road. And I didn't love that movie the way other people did. I thought it was I thought it was very good. I right. and, that, and that was it. Um, but but you can't deny that the sheer directorial vision on display there, and and again the the sheer physical task of being out there in like Nairobi or wherever they were for that yeah. long and shooting everything practically. Uh, I know I was kind of knocking the Revenant for saying things were tough, and now I'm kind of giving credit to Max for that <laughs> very thing. But uh, there's something about George Miller just having, and also everybody knows that he's been he fought to make this movie for 20 years. Yeah, I mean he wanted to make this with Mel Gibson. You know, I mean, yep. that's how long ago this was, back when Mel Gibson was going to be starring in a movie. So uh, the fact that he pushed it through and he gave us such an interesting character in The, the Furiosa, uh, which feels like uh, we're going to be seeing that at conventions, at cosplay conventions for the you know, yeah. foreseeable for, future. Forever now. Forever, yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like they're going to split it and give it – I don't think the Academy is ready to give Mad Max Fury Road a Best Picture <laughs> Oscar, but right. they but they can give the director they can they can honor the achievement, uh, and but but not necessarily give it to the picture. So yeah, I think you I think George I think it's George Miller is going to get it, which would be amazing. Yep. And then the final category that we're going to talk about is Best Picture, and we have eight nominees this time, and it's The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, Room, and Spotlight. So who would you like to see win? Well, I this one it's it's. I think it's a two two movie race. I think it's between Spotlight and The Big Short, um, and and of the two, I would be happy with either of them. But if I were to guess, I would say that Spotlight is probably the more conventional choice, mm-hmm. and so that's the one that I see probably winning. Yeah, me too. Uh, I I hope the Spotlight wins. I thought it was. There's a lot of great movies here. I've seen all of these except for The Revenant. Yeah, and and I thought uh, Spotlight was still the best of them. I, and, and also, again, bonus points for it's about something very important. Not that some of these others are not, but Spotlight just take a, took on a Titanic issue, handled everything perfectly. There were so many ways to go wrong with Spotlight, and the fact that I feel that it never does. And the film stuck with me all this time, even though I've seen it a little while ago at this point. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was wonderful. It feels like the kind of movie that the Academy can – give an Oscar to and feel good about itself kind of not that I don't mean that as a knock, but it's just, it's a really great movie about an important thing and full of great performances. And so, and uh, yeah, I really think that the spotlight's going to end up getting it. And I, and if, if some of the others do, if, if it ends up being the big shorts or Brooklyn or room, I mean, virtually any of these I'd be okay with. There isn't, there isn't one here where I'm like, Oh God, please don't give it to, you know, whatever. You know, right. how did Jurassic World get on this list or something? You know, I mean, would be, <laughs> I'd be perfectly happy with any of these. So, uh, yeah, oh, geez, we're pretty much in agreement for most of these. That's really funny. Yeah. I guess, well, then, then we're definitely going to be right. Then we know we're all going to be. And I'll, I'll tell you, since you're not going to see the see the show, I'll tweet at you, <laughs> and you can, you can you know we can uh, see how right we all are when uh, the uh, Oscars are given out at the end of the month. The other thing that I wanted to talk about, to have Zachy to talk on to talk about, is of course this whole controversy of the Oscars so white thing, because this is now the second year in a row where there are no uh, nominate, nominated actors of color in any way. And uh, this was something the Oscars took a lot of heat for last year, and they did it again this year, and now it's uh, the trouble is just multiplied. And they have tried to make some steps to 
changed things. The academy moved very quickly and changed in terms of um, the rules about for some of its members. They're not going to be able to vote for the Oscars if they haven't been active once in the last three decades. Am I getting that right? Do you know what that the rules of that stuff is? It's it's you have to you you have to have may, you have to have a credit in the la, in in every ten years. Once in the once each decade for the last three decades, right? Something like that's, that. I, I I think that's the gist. It's it's something kind of cockamamie a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, they are phase- so they're phasing some people out because everybody knows the statistics now that the Oscars are like 94% white and 62% male or something like that, very heavily weighted one way or the other. And so they are going to phase some people out. Of course, if you've ever won an Oscar or been nominated for an Oscar, you are a member permanently. And these people that are getting phased out, they're not being phased out of the academy. They're just not going to be able to vote. They're out of voting, exactly. Yeah, they're gonna be, they're gonna get all the screeners and all this stuff, and then there's gonna be this effort to bring in more, uh, bring in members of more minorities and things like that, and they're hoping to give it a more natural, a balanced sort of view. Um, I mean, you're in the business, Zaki, uh, from sort of the the other side of it. But what's your view of this whole thing? Do you think that this criticism is fair? Do you think what they're doing is the right way to handle it? I mean, you called it cockamamie, but is there another way you think it would be better handled? Well, I mean, I think the criticism of of there being a lack of representation in in the in in Academy nominations. I mean, I think there is validity to that. Uh, absolutely, I think my questioning is about whether the the measures that the academy is putting into place they feel very reactionary and not not holistic in a way that really tackles it because i mean really the, this issue is not about necessarily people like the implication is people who are too old are too racist <laughs> Right. I mean, that's kind of if you read between the lines, you're too old to vote in a non-racist way. So we're just going to gradually phase you out because young people are less racist. That's (laughs) it comes in an envelope that that says that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That seems deeply flawed to me. Right. Because because really the bigger problem is that you you don't want to thin out the herd. You want to you want to you want to broaden it so that you do have more representation from uh uh you know more diverse representation in the academy uh and, but but it that goes in a lot of different ways right because we need to have more roles for people of color right i mean the right now the problem is on a systemic level you have you have films starring black actors that are deemed black films right straight out of compton or or dope things like that right exactly right and that's I mean, there's 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 a much bigger problem than you know, black people not getting nominations. That's an indicator of sort of this this uh, systemic inequality that's that's endemic not just in Hollywood and in other parts, you know, in other industries too. Obviously, it just so happens that we accord the 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 Oscars. An inordinate amount of of attention and value, and I don't think it necessarily the Oscars necessarily need that attention or that value because they are in a, in a lot of ways an artificial construct, as we've talked about. I mean, there's plenty of deserving films that don't get nominated that aren't specifically minority films. So I think 
to reflexively say the Oscars are racist, I, I'm hesitant to do that because I don't think that's necessarily the case. It just so happens that we notice when people of color aren't nominated because there are so few films featuring people of color. Does that make sense? I don't know. I feel like I'm... No, no, no I understand. That doesn't make sense. Uh, I mean, I, I heard... Uh, I, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of movie podcasts and they've been talking about this and you guys have talked about it on your show and yeah. some other shows. But, I mean, one of the things that it's like, you know, the, the Oscars are left with what films are presented to them. You know, they are at the end of this process. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it really – you do have to make films with more diverse casts and not necessarily say, oh, well, that film's a black film. That film's not a black – you know, that kind of thing. The Oscars only yeah. have a certain amount to pick from. Now, I will say this year they did themselves no favors by managing to nominate – uh, for two films, Creed and Straight Outta Compton, which are heavily in front of the camera and behind the camera, featuring African Americans, they managed to nominate only white people. That is the two instances right. where they really did not help themselves. That you know, no nomination for Ryan Coogler, no nomination for Michael B. Jordan, or I'm blanking on her name, the actress that that, that was the the girlfriend in that movie. But they nominate Stallone. And then for straight right. out of, straight out of Compton, the only nomination are for the screenwriters who are both white. So they didn't. That really kind of felt like it was waving, no pun intended, a white flag in front of people, saying, "Yeah, we really go out of our way to sort of cherry pick the white people out of these movies See, that we like." But you know, I, I I would almost push back on that a little bit because I mean, I as much as I loved Creed, I don't know that that's uh, an Oscar caliber performance by Michael B. Jordan. He's mm-hmm. darn good in it. He's fantastic in it. Is it an Oscar performance? I don't. You know, I don't know necessarily. You know, Straight Outta Compton, which I loved, is it necessarily a Best Picture nominee? You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt that it wasn't necessarily a racially motivated decision but just kind of people making their rankings and you know i because i'd hate to see the inverse happen where people are saying oh we need to now reflexively have the yeah token, yeah the token quote-unquote minority movie lest we you know get tarred and feathered right you feel like next year somebody's going to get an award again get a nomination who clearly doesn't deserve it because they just don't want to go through this again yeah I, yeah. I, I think that's – at this point, that's a foregone conclusion, and I think that that's absolutely the wrong takeaway from this whole sh- scenario. <laughs> Kevin Hart for Ride Along 2, best actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, one of the things I've been curious about, curious about and I've never – I've not seen anything about it is why the Oscars need to phase anybody out at all. Why can't they just add members? Why do they have to – Limit. I, I maybe it's a money thing. I don't understand. But why do they? Why can't they just add more people as opposed to phasing some out? I'm. I'm. This is the first time I've heard of there being this notion of people being phased out. I'm, is this a new thing, or is it? Has that always been the case that eventually people get phased out? Uh, yeah, I, they've. The Hollywood Reporter has been running articles, stories by people who are. Being phased out, like the actor right. Bill Mooney, Bill Mooney, I saw that. Space, yeah, and the woman who wrote Nine to Five, and she's talking about that. You know, she wrote a she wrote one of the most popular movies of 1980, but has not had a lot of credit since. I, it's a, it's a very weird thing. I remember at the same time, just to play devil's advocate, I remember a couple of years ago, back when um, Brokeback Mountain was nominated for Best Picture, and right around sure. that right around that time. Uh, Entertainment Weekly interviewed Ernest Borgnine, who was still around and was an Academy Academy member. And they asked him, like, would you – did you vote for Brokeback? I think it was 
just before, it must have been after because he wouldn't have said it before. But it was something around that time. Like, you know, did you would you have voted for Brokeback Mountain? And Ernest Borgnine just flat out said, I would never vote for a gay movie. I'm not going to wow. do it. You know, and he just was right up front with his bigotry. And I was like, well, he shouldn't be allowed to vote then. Because that's that's, right. not, that's not what that's about. So, but I mean, you can't obviously figure out who is the problem and who isn't. So, I, I do have some sympathy for those people getting phased out because it's like you know, Bill Mooney had a lot of good points. He worked with some really great directors, right? You know, and he's just because he hasn't been in a movie in a while. I don't fully understand that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. Uh, I mean, somebody else pointed out that there are absolutely there is not a single African American. In Hollywood, that can greenlight a picture. No, there is no black person who has that power at a major studio. And you think right. that's got to be much more of a problem than what the Oscars do at the end of this process. Yeah, it's – I mean it's – you know, it's, it's, a, it's a problem that goes very deep um, just in terms, in terms of how, how representation is. And I, I truly believe that I think just as time goes by, a lot of this stuff is going to take care of itself as far as who does have – I mean, I mean think about it, right? Um, one of the most popular franchises in the industry is is uh, in the world, not just in the industry, is the Fast and Furious. Right. Which you know, one of the appeals of that series is that it uh, it plays to every ethnic group. Right. It's got one of everybody in there. <laughs> exactly. And and whatever Vin Diesel is. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key to his appeal. Everyone can project themselves onto Vin, he, Vin Diesel. He, he's an ethnically uh, uh, ambiguous cyborg. <laughs> and isn't it about time that we nominate cyborgs? Can we stop right. the anti-cyborg bias in the Academy? I, I think it's past time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the Oscars handle it. It's, it's you know, it's a dicey proposition. Uh, if they want to make me a member of the Academy, I promise I will vote for diverse films. I would love to get my screeners in the mail. That would be awesome. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be uh, – I agree with you. I think it will sort of fix itself over time just through ne- just the regular attrition of the way that way that stuff works. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, a lot of the people that, you know, uh, Whoopi Goldberg was on an episode of the little gold men podcast, which is all about the Oscars. And she talked about that, you know, a lot of the people that are going to get phased out are people that, that gave her people like her jobs, you know, and she's like, these are not people with this kind of problem. And yet these are some of the people that are going to get phased out and that's not necessarily fair to them. So she was, she was much more sanguine about it. And it just felt, I think sort of similarly that it's going to fix itself. It's not going to be easy or perfect, but eventually you, this, this will just become le- not, well, not an well, issue. She, she can afford to be sanguine about it. Cause she ain't going to lose her voting rights ever. So. That's true. She, she's, one, <laughs> she's, 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 she's got an EGOT, so she's doing all right for herself. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think that's, that's really going to be it. I think for our talk about the Oscars, I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. I've seen more of the films this year than I normally have. So I'm kind of excited about that. I actually have a lot of people to room, root for. I'm of all of them. Is there? Let me let me wrap up with this. Is there of all the categories, not just the ones that we talked about, but all of the nominees? Is there is there somebody that you are super pulling for that you're like I absolutely want to see them win, whether it's animated movie or anything like that? Well, it's got to be Stallone for me. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I just I would love to see. Uh, th- th- there's just the symmetry of 40 years after being nominated for the first Rocky, getting to get up there finally and accept an Oscar for playing Rocky. I mean, that's you know that's a, that's like a Hollywood moment. Mm-hmm. 
You know, so I really hope that happens. I really do. That would be amazing to see. That really would. And yeah, everyone, a lot of people, I think, think he has an Oscar because Rocky won, but he did not get one. That's the, right. The picture won, and I think the director won, but he himself did not. So, right. and he's, he's never going to get anything for the Expendable series. So, you know, probably not. Sadly, overlooked for Cobra. You know, so I mean, here's his time to, to give him <laughs> give him his Oscar. So, uh, yeah, I'm for me, I'm really for for Brie Larson. I just thought that performance. I, I just, I, uh, yeah, I was just so impressed by that. A, a hard subject, and so I really want to see her get sort of coronated and 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 you know, explode the way that, that, that I think she deserves. I think she was tremendous. So, um, yeah, so I think that's really going to be it for our talk about the Oscars. Um, Zachy, thank you for doing it with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me back on. I really yeah. appreciate that. Uh, where can people find, well, I know people can find you on the movie film podcast, but where can they find your reviews? And I want you to mention your other podcast too, which oh. is super fun. Oh, thank you so much. So I, I just launched uh, earlier this year uh, a brand new podcast called Nostalgia Theater, and it's a spinoff of a feature that I do on my blog at Zachy'sCorner.com, where every every Sunday on my blog I just find some piece of pop culture, you know, left over from my childhood, and I just kind of write up about it. And d- over the course of doing that feature, I've ended up making a lot of connections with the people responsible for this stuff. And I was like, you know... I would love to just chat with them and talk about what it was like making whatever this is, you know? So uh, that's what led me to to come up with this idea as a podcast. And so uh, every two weeks, I feature an interview with a creator of a a show or a film or whatever, or just a super fan. We talk about it together and sort of remember something about it. So um, we've had two episodes so far. The first episode, I interviewed Buzz Dixon. (laughs) That was such a great interview. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it was so good. I really wish he had some credit that I could justify interviewing him over because it's like this interview. It was like you asked him two questions and boom, off he went. You know, it was, it was, like, great. It was like evil Knievel stunt cycle. He just he just <laughs> tore off her and he had so many great stories. I was like, this guy's a rip. I, that would be so much fun to hang with this guy. He just sounded like he was such a fun dude. Yeah, well, and we talked about his work primarily on, on G.I. Joe. He was story editor of that. But I'm uh, fully expecting to have him back uh, on another episode so that we can talk about Thundar the Barbarian. Oh, that'll be fun. So. Um, and then, and then uh, my uh, second episode, I interviewed Tim Dunnigan, who played Captain Power uh, <laughs> on the, the 1980s TV series. And that was a lot of fun for me, too. That's amazing. It's a really fun show. Everybody should listen to it. And said, the movie film podcast, that Zeki does with your what's your co-host name I'm forgetting Brian Hall who's the um, writer of the Bob's Burgers comic book also. that's right there you go yeah that's a really good that's a really good show too so everybody should thank you so much yeah really, and uh, where can people find your reviews if they want to read them uh, well you can go to my blog zakiscorner.com that's Z-A-K-I-S corner I also post them at the Huffington Post and uh, of course I'm on Twitter at Zaki's Corner and, and basically if you Google my name I'll come up very cool. So, uh, yeah, uh, as usual for us, if you want to send an email, it's firewaterpodcast at comcast.net. You can follow the show on Twitter at film and water pod. Uh, you can visit the our brand new website, our new network website, which is filmandwaterpodcast.com. We have all the shows part of the network, and uh, it's all very exciting stuff. So, again, Zachy, thank you so much for doing the show, man. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, and, and happy to come back anytime. Excellent. So, uh, everybody, thanks for listening, and until next week, that's a wrap.
Well, uh, I guess this proves there are as many nuts in the academy as anywhere else. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> since you gave me the chance, uh, I'm really happy to get an opportunity to thank Saul and Michael and uh, Louise and Brad and uh, Lawrence and Bo and uh, all of the guys in the company, all of the Phoebe's Brigade. And uh, I'd like to thank Miss Pickford, who incidentally, uh, I believe, was the first uh, actor to get a percentage of her pictures. <laughs> uh, and speaking of a percentage, last but not least, my agent, who uh, about 10 years ago advised me that I had no business being an actor. Thank you.